the Digital Academy uh, podcast, YouTube. Thanks for checking this out. I hope you're uh, having a good day, and I got a cool one here. This one should be awesome. Can you think complex thoughts without language? Right? How core is having, you know, meaningful language to having meaningful thoughts? All right. Thanks for checking this out. Love you guys. Let's do this. This video was made possible by Audible. Use the link in the description to get a free 30-day trial and a book of your choice for free. If you can hear what I'm saying right now and understand me, you can probably speak English. It's also very likely that you think in English as well, right? For example, you might be saying to yourself, when is this guy going to get to the point? But if I took all of those words out of the English language, would you still be able to think that thought? After all, you probably think to yourself in language all of the time. If you know less words, can you think less thoughts? More importantly, can you think complex thoughts? If you knew less words, could you think less thoughts? What's the real danger of constricting speech? Here's the point, constricting thought. George Orwell explores this theme in his classic novel, 1984. Winston Smith, the protagonist, lives in the superstate of Oceana in the province Airstrip 1 in the city of London. The state is governed by a totalitarian party led by a figure known as Big Brother. The party seeks complete and total control over the entire state and its citizens. Remember, Big Brother was a warning. I used to exogs like the the government big brothers this like supposed security state they live the books set basically in in London England they can call it whatever they want they use tactics typical of totalitarian governments such as constant surveillance strict disapproval of independent thought and controlling access to information but i want to focus on one tactic in particular so how relevant the is party that, has eh? invented a new language called new speak which is meant to replace old speak Old speak is the English we all currently New use. Speak. New speak is a heavily New modified speak. version of English with a much smaller. Oh man, you guys, you guys are using old speak. You guys didn't learn that there's only certain things you're allowed to say now. Okay, and you better say it in the right tone. And when asked, it's new speak. You speak in this new way. This is what you're supposed to do. Obviously, I'm being hardcore cynical right now. Our vocabulary. Over several decades, the party hopes to pare down the language to take out any words that don't serve their ideological mission. Barring a direct example from Orwell, words like warm would not exist. Instead, it would be referred to as uncold. The root word cold, however, would still exist. Plus cold would mean very cold, and double plus cold would be very, very cold. In essence, one could revolve any discussion about temperature around one word. Cold. In Orwell's own words, Newspeak was designed not to extend, but to diminish the range of thought. The party believed that by Newspeak was designed not to expand. Sorry, I should have paused it when the quote was still on the screen. But he said something like, not to diminish the quality of thought. I mean, its job is to diminish the quality of thought. The role is to make you not be able to think as deeply, not be able to think as clearly or as freely, to be afraid to think the wrong thing. And then you actually silence yourself. Most free speech is lost in silence. And what that means classic Jordan Peterson saying and what that means is like 
it's not always somebody with a gun to you saying, don't say that. It's somebody saying, you know, if you say that, I'm going to repost that and I'm going to send it to your boss and, and get you fired and don't even say it in the first place. And that's not on the new speak list of approved words. What are you doing using words that aren't on the list of approved words? What are you doing having an original free thought as a conscious being? That's actually a thought crime. And we got thought police that will arrest you for that. And actually, we're in a society now where we're incentivized to tell on our brothers. So you're my best friend, but I'll give favor with with the local chapel. Weird that I accidentally said the word chapel. I meant to say precinct. But what is religion in this context? Nothing. State. It's all state. It's all, you know, big brother. Limiting the language available to its citizens, they can limit their ability to think. More importantly, they believe that they could limit a person's ability to think thoughts that were in opposition to the party's ideology. And I don't mean to get political here, but the amount of thought policing going on. I'm honestly going as far as to say 1984 is the most important book for the current situation. People, And I'm not talking about... Um, well, I'm talking about... Okay, a few things. The giant lack of trust people have for media. We're in a situation now where for a bunch of reasons we're in social crisis and people don't know where to get information. People don't know what to trust. People don't know what to say. People don't know how what they say will be weaponized. 1984. And that's why I'm saying it's like it's I don't want to make this channel about talking about current political stuff because I think first of all it's opinion based and my the next person's opinion is just as the same whatever and it's like the other thing is in five years it won't be as relevant so what i'm trying to do is look at the underbelly of this 1984 will help you understand george bush or donald trump right and it's it's not as it's looking at the underpinning psychology right what happens to people because it's not like this is the first time anything social unrest related has ever happened and it's like what happens when you start limiting the use of words what happens it's v for vendetta movie what happens when the meaning of words start to change i can picture that girl's voice in v for vendetta saying you know i remember when the meanings of words began to change concepts like political or intellectual freedom would be non-existent but does this hypothesis hold any weight could a totalitarian government actually limit our ability to think of the concept of freedom by removing the word from our collective vocabulary? According to the theory of linguistic determinism, the answer would be yes. Linguistic determinism is one half- Linguistic determinism. So just break down, again, like you guys are smart people. Um, I'm making these videos for smart people that may not have read a specific book or seen a specific idea. You guys can understand this. So think about this, linguistical determinism. It means like, that the actual words we use determines the, the ability, well it says their linguistic relativity, so our ability to even relatively place a word, like so you say a word like um, trust or, or government, and it, that means a certain thing to me. And the way that that means a certain thing to me is because it's almost positioned within this encyclopedia in my head of what English words mean. Right, so words are in this interconnected web that determine how we understand them. 
right? And so with this idea is, is that attacking words and attacking what people can say actually changes their um, system of relative comparison within their brain and actually changes how they think. The easier way to say that without a super long ramble is you limit people's words for long enough. You don't let them think in certain conceptual ways or speak in certain conceptual ways. Speaking is related to thinking. It actually has an effect on thought. So can limiting language create a diminishing uh, effect on complex thought? I think this video is arguing yes. So does thought, the other way to say that is, does new speak, does thought policing everything create a dumber, more manipulated, more sheeple population? Of course. I don't even know if anyone would argue that. ...of a greater theory referred to as the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis. The other half is linguistic relativity, which we may touch on. <laughs> Sorry, and I got to make this point. Sometimes my class, if I'm like in person teaching and we're getting into something and I'm really getting into it, it seems like I'm almost like yelling at them. I just want to make the point there. If I'm like getting all emotional, I love you guys, man. I love you guys big time. I'm just trying to, you know, make a point or whatever. And uh, this is so important. It's so important. Because eventually it's going to be what language is teaching my daughter. I don't, is she only allowed to say certain... And I'm not saying like racist stuff or like... Like there's, 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 there's still things that are law... You're not allowed to go into a building full of people and scream that there's a fire. There's things that, you, that should be penalized for doing. But, it, but it's a slippery slope and it's, it's, it's a careful consideration. Right, because if you like, this is a this is an issue with government in general because it's transitionary, right? It's like you give Obama a bunch of powers because you like Obama, but then he's not the president anymore. Now it's Trump. Now he has all these powers and people don't like it. And then you limit Trump, and then someone else gets in that you like, and then you're like, well, maybe we should give that back. Like it's, the problem is, is that when it switches, so it's like it's great to thought police when you're in the moral high ground position, at least when you think you are, and you're preaching down to everybody else but when they, that switches around and the new flavor isn't your political stance and everyone else has thought policing you it seems like a way worse idea and it's like we got to have the foresight to be able to get in front of this and be like maybe maybe everyone in our society shouldn't get fired for saying one dumb thing because then maybe we create a we actually incentivize people to be fake in a separate video edward sapir wrote that Human beings do not live in the objective world alone, nor alone in the world of social activity as ordinarily understood, but are very much at the mercy of the particular language which has become the medium of expression for their society. He also wrote that the world in which different societies live are distinct worlds, not merely the same world with different labels attached. Sapir believed that language did, indeed, have an effect on our thinking. Benjamin Lee Worf, Sapir's student, developed this line of reasoning further. He claimed that, upon studying the Hopi language, he found that- Side note, I love when somebody has an idea and takes it this far, and then they have a, a protege student that takes it the next step. And I can't think of a better honor. That's so cool that that guy had the idea, and then his student is now going to- We're going to see how he did it when he connected with the Hopi. Who are, the Hopi are a fascinating uh, native tribe from well my buddy jp would kill me for not knowing this because he was big time into uh hopi history and mythology 
in spirituality, but I think the Hopi are in kind of the, the desert area of the um, American Southwest. Like I want to say kind of like Utah, Nevada. I might be a bit wrong. But anyways, they're, they're in uh, a tradition. The Hopi natives have, the indigenous people there have a, a, a vast history. And um, anyways, I'm just rambling. He's about to talk about how it relates specifically to language. They had no words that referred to time. This discovery led Worf to believe that, because they did not have any way to refer to it, Hopi speakers experienced time differently. To quote him, he said that, In this Hopi view, time disappears and space is altered so that it is no longer the homogeneous and instantaneous timeless space of our supposed intuitions or of classical Newtonian mechanics. At the same time, new concepts and abstractions flow into the picture, taking up the task of describing the universe without reference to such time or space, abstractions for which our language lacks adequate terms. In English, our verbs contain wow. tenses that explain the time during which an action occurred. For example, if I said that it snowed, you know that I'm referring to the past. If I say that it is snowing, then you know that it's happening in the present. In English, we divide time and split it up into past, present, future, minutes, hours, days, weeks, and experience it as such. Is it true? Do the Hopi experience time in a fundamentally different way than we do because they lack the words for dividing it? Well, no. It turns out that Worf's analysis of the Hopi language simply turned out to be inadequate and that they do in fact have ways of referring to time. So they don't actually experience time any differently than we do. But the theory is not dead yet. The Dani people of New Guinea have only two words for describing color, Mili and Mola. Mili is representative of cold or dark colors and Mola represents warm or light colors. If linguistic determinism holds true, then it's reasonable to think that the Dani people will not be able to make detailed distinctions between colors like we do. They should only be able to distinguish them as dark or light, right? Well, the study showed that the Dani people can make distinctions between different colors just fine, despite not having terms for them. So what's going on here? If they can make distinctions between these colors just fine, why do they not have different words for them? It seems that there's a complex and interdependent relationship between language, thought, and culture. Let me put forth a simplified thought experiment that may help clarify our dilemma. Consider two hypothetical cultures, culture A and culture B. Culture A's flag is made up of various shades of green and they live in a forest. Culture B's flag is made up of various shades of blue and they live near the ocean. Now let's say that I show both cultures a lighter green and a darker green. Culture A is far more likely to make a distinction between the two colors because they value making that distinction. Since they live in a forest, they see a lot of green and value making a distinction between lighter shades and darker shades in their language. They need to make that distinction to communicate with one another. On the other hand, when culture B is asked what colors they see, they may just refer to them in the singular, green. They don't value making that distinction because they don't need to. So, to the extent that we see different languages lacking words for things, it's more likely a reflection of their culture. Mm. They don't necessarily see the or world differently, but they value different things. So what does all of this mean in the context of 1984? Would Nispeak be effective in limiting thought? The complex relationship between language, thought, and culture is not fully understood. Scientists are still doing lots of hard work to figure That's the tough part about this thought experiment, though, because in Brave New, I mean, in 1984, almost a Brave New World, a different, very different, but very similar book. Um, in 1984, the culture is different, too, though. Right, it's it's a police state culture. So figure it out. Not just but the language. But the language of Newspeak is a reflection of linguistic determinism or the strong version of the Sapir Whorf hypothesis. As we have seen, this theory seems very unlikely. Just because a language may lack words for time or colors, it doesn't mean its speakers can't experience that phenomenon or create a new word for it. 
In his book, The Language Instinct, psychologist, linguist, and author Steven Pinker puts forth an interesting concept. He believes that all humans oh, like have an say. innate language of thought or mentalese. He states that, Knowing a language, then, is knowing how to translate mentalese into strings of words and vice versa. According to this theory, you and I are not thinking in English. Rather, we're thinking in a language of thought and translating that into our respective <laughs> languages so that we can communicate. And you know that's true. You know that's true. You, how many times have you been maybe in an argument with a loved one or maybe in a deep conversation with a friend and you know what you're trying to say, but you can't find the words? It's like there's almost a pre... I think they're saying here, it's almost like a pre-linguistic level of thought that then gets translated into thought that then gets spoken then you hear my words then you translate what you think i mean and then you think you know what i said there's actually a lot of levels of analysis of uh, a lot of steps between you know my pure thought and your pure thought of what my pure thought was that got you know telephoned to you okay with others so if a totalitarian government came to power and started cutting out words like freedom and democracy, would we lose our ability to think about those concepts? It's unlikely. To the extent that me or you could still feel oppression, we'd be able to think about oppression in our language of thought. Thus, a new word would likely emerge so that we could communicate this abstract thought that we are both thinking and feeling. In general, thought comes first and language comes after. When you look at language from this perspective, I think there's something beautiful about all of them. In some sense, we can look at one language and see a reflection of the values and thoughts that people in that culture share based on the words that they have chosen to create. Hey guys, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Audible, for providing our viewers with a free 30-day trial. So, yeah, Audible. Whatever that is, going to just be a little sales pitch for Audible. I love Audible. I use Audible all the time. Currently listening to a book called Chaos about the Charles Manson uh, murders. Very, very fascinating. Very, the whole, whole health of Skelta. Um, Charles Manson situation was what a situation um, but yeah okay so this is getting close to 20 minutes maybe I'll give her I'll call it call it a day uh, thanks for watching guys I don't know I'm just trying to make some content that you guys find interesting part of it is me just trying to do something that's you know communicates to some adults because my three-year-old who's gonna be up any, any second now is gonna you know, want to play store, and then we're probably going to go outside and look for flowers and do a whole bunch of little kid stuff. So I wanted to do one or two adult style thought experiment videos this morning because I love you guys and I'm checking in on you and, you know, we'll get through this all together. All right. Cheers.